Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 454. Is next cruise worth it? Is it worth it to book your next cruise on board a Royal Caribbean cruise? Today, I want to break down the next cruise program, talk about what it is, what it isn't, and why you should or shouldn't book a cruise on board. Here we go. I get a lot of questions about next cruise and booking cruises on board. It's one of the more common questions that I've been getting over the last couple of months. I mean, I've always gotten this question, but I think more recently, I get a lot of questions about next cruise because a lot of people are curious about the benefits of booking a cruise on board and more importantly, should they do it or not? And I think before we get to the should or shouldn't, we got to talk about what next cruise is and break that down because next cruise program basically is an incentive to book another cruise on board. Basically, Next Cruise is the name of the office that you can go to on board a Royal Caribbean ship in order to book your next cruise. Essentially, booking another Royal Caribbean cruise on board with Next Cruise gets you free onboard credit for doing so in addition to reduced deposit. The price and booking incentives are exactly the same on board as they are on land. So if you and I were booking the same cruise with the same people in the same cabin, the price would be exactly the same. The difference is Royal Caribbean will give you extra onboard credit for booking on board the cruise ship. The next cruise offer is perfect for anyone that knows they'll be certainly taking another Royal Caribbean cruise in the future. Exactly which cruise and when can obviously vary. And in fact, there's two types of bookings at next cruise. One is an open booking and one is a specific booking. The specific booking is when you say, okay, I want to go on this ship on this date. And the open booking is when you just get basically, let's call it a certificate. It's an open certificate that you can apply to any particular sailing that's out there. The nice thing about next cruise is that it's, free money, if you will, for anyone that wants to take advantage of the offer and, you know, book a cruise, which is really great. Now, back in the day, in fact, if you, you know, read some old blog posts that I've written or maybe some podcast episodes, I used to always do open bookings because open bookings would allow you to book another cruise, but without having to pick a certain date. This was also back in a day when Royal Caribbean blog was not my full-time job. We took maybe one or two cruises a year. So there was an incentive to have an open booking because then I could, you know, be able to apply when I knew what our plans were going to be. Unfortunately, Royal Caribbean neutered the open booking system uh, a number of years ago. What I mean by that is the amount of onboard credit used to be equal no matter how you booked. And then they made a change and you get far more onboard credit for booking a specific sailing instead of the open booking. But we'll get into that a little bit. By booking a cruise with next cruise, you'll be able to enjoy onboard credit equivalent to the deposit amount required for the cruise length and state room category. Now, depending on the stateroom type, and how long your cruise is, you can earn hundreds of dollars, in fact. You know, for a five to seven night cruise, you might get, you know, 50 bucks for an inside room. On a 15 night cruise or longer, it's $200 for an inside room. And, you know, balcony rooms on a seven night cruise, it gives you about 100 bucks. And on a four, 11 to 14 night cruise, $200 for a balcony and 250 for 15 nights or longer. And then suites, you're looking at uh, for Grand Suite and above, $200 for a five to seven night cruise. $400 for an 11 to 14 night cruise in Grand Suite or above, and then $500 or above for a Grand Suite above. And again, those numbers may have changed the latest numbers I have, but they change the program quite often. I think you get the idea. The longer the cruise and the more extravagant and the more expensive your cabin, the more onboard credit you get. If you book an open booking, then again, last checked I had for the open booking for a five to seven night, regardless of your stateroom type, you got 25 bucks for the sailing, eight to 10 night cruise, 50 bucks, 11 to 14 night, 75 bucks and 15 nights or longer, $100. After booking your next cruise open booking, you get an email with a booking reservation number, and that's the number you'll need when you're ready to book a specific cruise. 
give your travel agent or Royal Caribbean your next cruise number, and they will turn that into an active reservation that reflects the deposit amount you've made plus booking incentives that your certificate has, which is really nice. Um, the next cruise allows you to have some flexibility for guests of which the reservation is making. This includes the option to change your reservation to suit your needs prior to final payment. This means you can change the sailing later to any other cruise and the next cruise benefits follow you, if you will. It's also combinable with crown and anchor savings, which is the you know money you can get if you're in platinum or higher in crown and anchor society. You can also retain the services of any travel agent. This is a big one. I think most people don't understand is you can book a cruise on board a cruise ship at the next cruise office and still be able to use your travel agent. When you go to book your cruise with the travel or at next cruise and you want to use your travel agent, you just let the agent know that, hey, you know, you've got a travel agent you want to use. Now, almost automatically, when they go to book you a cruise, if you've used the travel agent for the sailing that you're on, they will either automatically apply it or ask you, hey, I see you booked with such and such agency here. Should we apply that here? That'd be the case. But it's always a good rule of thumb to, to just remind the next cruise person. Oh, and I'd like to have this reservation applied to our, you know, the agent you already have on file there. If there was a different agent, you could obviously let them know about that. Up to you how you want to handle that. You can also book up to three staterooms for friends or family of any cruise with the same benefit. So this is a really helpful and I think lesser understood benefit that, you know, you go to book your cruise and then you're thinking, oh man, this is a great cruise. I know that my parents would love to go with me or my sister or my friend. They're not on board the ship. You can book it on their behalf, which is really nice. And the fact that you can also use it with your travel agent is really important. Keeping in mind, by the way, that if you were to book it on your own, the next cruise reservation, and then, you know, attribute it to yourself, like it's your own reservation, and then you decide to get home, oh, I'm listening to this great episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, let me transfer to an agent, you can do that, but you only have a limited amount of time to do so, so make sure you take care of it as soon as possible. I believe it is 60 days you have from when it was originally made to transfer to an agent. I think it's just easier to have the next cruise person uh, do that, but... You know, I think that's really important. Something else that I really think is important about Next Cruise, and this is something that, you know, when I book with, the, I'm so used to booking with a travel agent that my travel agent knows me so well, I don't even have to think about these things. But there are minor considerations that you need, I don't know the minor, but considerations you need to remind the Next Cruise person of and re-verify when you're there booking it. Number one, refundable or non-refundable fare. Number two, you know, which seating you want for dinner. And number three, your gratuity situation. Now, the last two can be changed later on, but the refundable, non-refundable thing, I can't tell you how many times someone, including myself, has gone there and said, I want to book you know, a refundable cruise fare, and you end up walking away with non-refundable cruise fare. It's an oopsie, but something to you know definitely remind them of. So what are the disadvantages? Why would you not want to book a cruise at Next Cruise? It sounds like a great program, Matt. And there's really just one consideration with Next Cruise you have to keep in mind, and that is the deposit you make is non-refundable at Next Cruise. Unlike other Royal Caribbean Cruise Reservations, the actual deposit you make at Next Cruise is non-refundable, which means you either have to take the Royal Caribbean Cruise eventually or lose that money. The reason is, as we stated earlier, Next Cruise is they want to have certainty that you're going to book another cruise. That's the reason why you want to take advantage of the program, so it's the free money to take advantage of. But if you have doubts about taking another Royal Caribbean Cruise, then keep in mind the Next Cruise program is also non-refundable. A couple other things you should know about Next Cruise is that bookings made through the Next Cruise may not be combinable with all rate plans, promos, or other offers. This usually runs into a problem if you're talking about group spaces. You know, if you're on a group sailing, whether it's a Royal Caribbean Blog group cruise or not. In the cases of Royal Caribbean Blog group cruise, let me just rest assured everybody, this is a shameless plug that's coming your way. But our friends at MEI Travel are able to basically book them as an individual reservation and roll them into the group later on. But you don't need to worry too much about that. 
Now, in terms of next cruise in general, you know, the office tends to get really busy, especially towards the end of the cruise, because a lot of people at the end of the cruise are like, oh, we had such a great time. Let's book another cruise. So my advice is make an appointment early in the cruise if you're interested in getting one. So that way you can get it done before the crowds hits. You can also make an appointment with the next cruise staff by adding your name and stateroom number to a book that's usually near the entrance of their area. The next cruise office is open on disembarkation day. It means even that last morning, and usually it's completely empty because most people aren't thinking about booking a cruise on that day. So if all else fails, try for that morning. But really, the best time to visit the next cruise office is if you do not have a meeting on port call days because that's when most people are off the ship. So, you know, if you don't have an appointment, go there when you're on a uh, port day. So should you book your cruise on board or not? Here's the really the, the meat and potatoes of this conversation. Truly, the answer is if you're probably listening to this podcast, you're probably in your car, you're at home or at work or just not on a cruise ship, right? And the answer is if you know there's a cruise you want to book right now, the answer is do not wait to book it on board the ship. The reason is if you wait to book your cruise on board, my fear is the price of the cruise will have gone up between now and when you actually get on your cruise ship to the point where any extra onboard credit that you would get from booking a next cruise would be offset by the price increase. So if you're sitting at home, at work, at whatever, and you're not on a cruise ship, you want to book a cruise, your best bet is still call a travel agent and book your cruise. But if you're sitting on board the ship and you're having a great time or you meet some friends on board or whatever the impetus may be, you decide you want to book a cruise, then yes, absolutely, go to the next cruise office. It is free money for booking a cruise on board. I think the important thing here is, you know, take advantage of it if you if you know you're going to book another cruise. I think it's the only thing that I would also think about, especially if you're on board the ship. You know, maybe you as the Royal Green Blog podcast listener, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you probably like cruising a lot since you're listening to podcasts about cruising. And so there's a good chance you're actually going to go on the cruise. Really, the only fear or any concern I would have about booking a next cruise is that, you know, you're putting money down that's not refundable for the actual next cruise deposit. Keeping in mind, by the way, that, you know, if you've got friends or family members who don't cruise that often, perhaps they're the ones you don't book on board the ship. Maybe you wait to get home for that one just in case, because there's a little bit of a risk involved if they change their mind, especially if they're, you know, not routine or regular cruisers. That's really the only issue. Are you going to go on another cruise sometime soon? In terms of the open booking versus specific sailing, I generally don't recommend the open booking. Yeah, it's free money compared to nothing. Like it's like. If I had a bunch of open booking, you know, certificates that I could use that and I want to book a cruise today, being at home right now, you know, that would still be free money over the alternative, which is just booking on my own, you know, with my travel agent. If there's an argument there, I would still argue you're better off booking a specific sailing. Heck, you could even book a non-refund a book a refundable, excuse me, book a refundable cruise way off in the future, like just pick a random one and then change your mind later on because you have a refundable cruise fare. And the next cruise benefits follow you there. A bit of a, a little more rigmarole to do that. That is an option for you in general. So here's what I would tell you. If you're on a cruise ship and you think to yourself, boy, wouldn't it be great to book another cruise, then go and book another cruise. If you are thinking about booking an open booking, I just don't think it's worthwhile on that one. And I think ultimately uh, you want to make sure you double check everything in the booking while you're there. I would just look it over, you know, ask them about the 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 cruise fare type. It's the most commonly messed up or accidentally messed up, I should say, thing that occurs there. But, hey, it is free money. It, there's there's absolute truth to that. And the reduced deposit is another nice benefit to it. But, again, if you're sitting at home listening to this, still booking your cruises now is the best rate. Because, as we often talk about here, over time, over the long haul, the earlier you book, the better your price is going to be.
Okay, friends, time to answer some listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I dive into the Royal Caribbean blog podcast email inbox. That's a lot of social media terms right there. And answer as many emails as I possibly can. You can always email me by sending it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email comes to us from Kim. Hi, Matt. Listening to a recent episode, you were discussing getting back to the ship before final boarding time. Do you have a method you like to use for deciding how long to travel back? If we go someplace an hour from the port, for example, how do we decide how much time to leave traveling back to not miss the call? Kim, that's a great question. I think I usually take whatever the all aboard time is, I subtract two hours and I plan to be back at the ship two hours early. Now, I feel like in some ports, I may be a little more cavalier with that rule, Kim. Cozumel is definitely one of them because I've been there so many times. There's a bazillion taxis. I mean, it's just, you're not so much even playing with fire, or at least the port area two hours early. But two hours is pretty much what I would use almost all the time as a frame of reference for, again, if, if all aboard is 4.30, then I'm back at 2.30. And the reason being is that that's not so much intentional that I'm going to be back at 2.30, but I, have, I can pad my time. I remember I told the story before we were in St. Thomas and we were sharing a cab with some people who are on a carnival ship. And those people, they literally had to get out of the cab because we were stuck in traffic and run to make it back to the ship. I have no idea if they made it or not. And I think at that point, this was very early on in our cruising career. And I really, you know, that really stuck with me because I really thought I never want to be those people. And, you know, thinking about it, if they had just left a little bit earlier, they wouldn't have run into that problem because you know, we, we were obviously in the same traffic. But because we left earlier, we had more pat our, our departure was later than the carnival ship. We were we knew that we had we had buffer there. And buffer is really what you're looking at. So it's a matter of comfort level and I think also the port. You know, if it's a port I've never been to before, I would definitely use the two hour rule as a hard and fast rule, as opposed to, you know, Costa Maya, Cozumel, Nassau, um, maybe St. Thomas, you know, certain ports where I I feel so confident in knowing exactly where I am, how far I am, and what to reasonably expect that it's not like I'm taking my, I don't say I'm going to take my life in my own hands, but taking my, you know, ability to get back in my own hands. So I think two hours is a good frame of time. I'm sure there's some people who think that's mad that's excessive. One hour is more than enough. But you really want to give yourself buffer time, Kim, to protect against traffic and unforeseen delays, essentially. So uh, number one, uh, going back to, you said, you know, you're, you're, uh, you've got travel time. So figure out how much travel time is a good idea when you get in that bus or taxi, how long it takes from the port back to wherever you're going, and then use that in your, in your calculations to ensure that you have enough time to get there. Now, the issue with that, of course, you know, if someone was an hour drive and Matt says, get back to two hours early. Okay. That's basically three hours that you're, you're out. Right. And how long could your tour possibly be? Depends on the port day. And that, that's a tough, you know, balance to keep. I, I certainly understand that. So hopefully, Kim, that answers your email there. Again, it's just a matter of, I think, being comfortable. Ultimately, my goal is to never be freaking out in the cab. Are we going to make it? Are we not going to make it? Those kinds of things. Next, we have an email from Jeff Exton. Hi, Matt. I have my first cruise with Diamond Status coming up in July, and my wife and I are excited about our having complimentary drinks. I'm curious how tipping works with the complimentary drinks. When you use your voucher, do you get your receipt? Do you get the opportunity to tip? Thanks. Um, Jeff, actually, you don't get a receipt uh, and... and I'm not 100% sure how that all works on, on the back end with the with the crew members. Let me put it this way, Jeff. I now always tip the crew member a dollar every time I get a drink for the Diamond Drinks. Um, because with the with the drink package, you know, it's very clear that that you're the there's a service charge that comes with the drink package that pays for gratuities. With the Diamond Drinks, I, I'm not. It does not appear to be that case. It's just out of you know, listen, a dollar here is not going to kill me. I'll tip a dollar every time I do that. 
Next up, we have an email from Dolores. Good morning, Matt. Hopefully you have an answer to my questions regarding Bermuda travel. I've waited online for hours of customer service. No one can give me a straight answer. I have four cruises booked, both back-to-back -back with Bermuda in the mix. First is July, a nine-day with one stop in Bermuda. The second was a five-day trip directly to Bermuda. My questions, does the July visa cover both parts of the back-to-back? -back? Do we need two visas? Will we need to get tested once on board for the second part? Who pays for that? Uh, let's stop right there. Just a couple more questions there. I'll start with the easy ones I know the answers to because this actually just changed, Dolores. For your back-to-back -back cruise, you only you only need to do the, the, the test before cruise number one. Royal Caribbean eliminated the need to do a back-to-back -back test, so don't worry about that. You're good to go. In terms of the health visa that Bermuda has there, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't know yet how that all works. Um, you know, I, I feel like we're going to have to wait for some people to come back and forth and get some information on there, Dolores. So number one, and the best way to get an answer to your question is go on the Royal Caribbean blog message boards and, you know, pose, I would imagine this is the exact question there. But, you know, people who are going to, to Bermuda, I believe there has been at least one cruise that's gone there since the recording of this podcast. So that's good. And hopefully we'll get some answers there. You know, I'm not exactly 100% sure how that works. My expectation would be at the very least, and this is a guess, Dolores, is that I would plan on having to do the Bermuda visa thing twice. One for cruise one and cruise two. I could be wrong on that one. So hopefully uh, that makes some sense there. And it's not a great answer to your question, but it's the best I can give you right now. Next, we have an email from Carol. We're going on a family holiday on Anthem of the Seas this year. We have all had our vaccines and booster except for our 14-year-old grandson who has only had to do vaccines as he needed the booster too. Uh, thanks. Carol, the answer to your question will really depend on the on the protocols because one thing I always tell people when it comes to protocols, I try not to answer protocol questions like here's the protocol for your cruise, Carol, because my answer today may, number one, be accurate when I record it, but even by the time your sailing comes around, who knows? So what you want to do, I'm just going to tell you where to go so I don't want to put out old information about protocols on the podcast. Um, go to Royal Caribbean's website. On the very top left corner, you'll see Healthy Sales Center. Learn more about health protocols, requirements, and travel advisories. Click on that and then scroll down. It's about halfway down. You're going to see some purple blocks. And on the left, it says Protocols for Booked Guests. Click on that. And then what you're going to do is there's a drop down. It says, where are you sailing from? And then you'll select where you're sailing from. Now, it sounds like by the fact that you said holiday, imagining maybe you are sailing from the UK, so you'd select Southampton. Otherwise, you could select, you know, uh, Bayonne. The answer to your question, though, in general, as of right now, of course, is that uh, boosters are not required except for uh, a couple of countries who, if you have not been vaccinated, or your last vaccine was not in the last 200 and some odd days. But again, check the protocols there so that we have the right answer. And and also, don't just check it now. Check it. Keep checking it back periodically. Not every day. That's crazy talk. But, you know, once a month or so as going up to your sailing because they do change. I think it's important. Next, we have an email from Lauren. Hi, Matt. Thanks for all you do to help us uh, think happy cruise thoughts when we're in between time on board. Our family will finally be getting back to cruising this summer. Can't wait. We have a question about lunch at Izumi. The Royal Caribbean app is only showing Izumi open for lunch on one day of our seven-day south southern-bound Alaska cruise, and it's a port day, Icy Strait Point. Do you think they'll be open for lunch on more days, like our sea days, and it's just not showing up properly? I know we won't be able to take to book it until we're on board, but I'm hoping we'll get some more options for lunch at Izumi, or is this just the way the staffing might be right now? Any help or advice you can give us to try to get Izumi lunch would be great. Lawrence, a great question in your email. And, you know, certainly, here's my experience. Generally speaking, sea days, Izumi's open for lunch. Now, the app is a great resource. Leading up to your cruise, it's not uncommon, Lauren, for it to be inaccurate. So I don't want to tell you, here's what I'll tell you. 
it's not always 100% accurate, so that leads you to the possibility that it will be open more than one day for lunch. That being said, I can't promise you or tell you definitively what the answer will be. My advice to you is, you know, keep an eye on it, you know, check back periodically, but once you get on board the ship, obviously go to Izumi and verify the answer to your question there. Ultimately, questions like this, Lauren, tend to only be answered in one of two ways. One, somebody posts a cruise compass from a comparable sailing. It sounds like you mentioned a southern bound Alaska cruise. I'm assuming that you're on Radiance of the Sea, so you need to find one there, or you simply get on board the ship and ask them over there. So I don't want to say abandon all hope, but I also don't want to say, hey, you're to be totally fine, Lauren. Don't worry about it. It's somewhere in the middle there. You got to keep an eye on it. So that's, there's my... Boy, these answers so far, I'm, I'm really not giving great answers. I'm just giving a the usual it depends answers, which is not, well, it's the right answer, but it's not the answer people want to hear. <laughs> Next, we have an email from Jeff. Hi, Matt. My wife suffers from an undiagnosed debilitating fear of becoming seasick on a cruise. I've been on a few and never felt any sickness whatsoever. She gets seasick when we take a ferry here in North Carolina. I would really like to involve her in my joy of cruising, but I'm afraid that if we were to book one, she would become seasick too. I noticed that Royal Caribbean offers very short cruises. One out of Port Canaveral goes to just Coco Key and nowhere else. Would taking a short, cheaper cruise benefit us? This particular cruise is on Liberty of the Sea. Say we were to book that one, would you say there is, uh, there is, would you say is there to do on such a short cruise? Can you give any recommendations for Liberty of the Seas? Thanks in advance. Okay, so there's two things you're talking about here. Number one, yes, generally speaking, a three-night cruise out of Florida is less likely but not impossible to get seasick on there as somebody who suffers from an irrational fear mine being of flying and you know what could possibly happen right it, there, you can't rationalize it. you can't sit there and say oh this or that or this like you know you can look at all the stats and whatever but there's always that chance and let's be honest here there's always that chance that you, the, there could be motion in the ocean the nice thing about those short cruises out of Florida is they never leave really the uh, the waters of the Bahamas where Florida is right adjacent to. It's a very shallow area of the ocean, relatively speaking, um, compared to when the ships get out into, you know, the Atlantic or the Caribbean per se. And so the advantage there is number one, the ships are going slow. Number two, they don't have a very long distance to go to. So even if the conditions were not great, they could traverse a different path that would be more optimal. What that usually means is like hugging the coast more often. So generally speaking, it's less likely to get choppy water because of that. That being said, I've been on plenty of cruises that are short cruises in which we've encountered, you know, motion in the ocean. So I don't want you to sit here, Jeff, and feel like definitively, you know, you're safe or your wife is safe from that. Here's what I would tell you. If your wife has this fear, it's totally fine. There's a lot of people who I think who have this fear as well. I would recommend your wife go to uh, her doctor and get a prescription for the seasickness patch that goes behind your ear. Uh, I know a lot of people who swear by this thing. It reason it seems to work really, really well. Whether, you know, it, it gives her just the placebo effect of, of the safety net of having it, or it actually does something. I, I do believe it actually does something. And the nice thing about having it is just that, that peace of mind, if nothing else, maybe that's what to do. In terms of a, you know, you go on a short cruise, the nice thing is, Royal Caribbean is really up the ships that do the short cruises. You know, back in the day, and I say back in the day, I'm talking like, you know, uh, five, ten years ago. You know, these Royal Caribbean really relegated the short cruises, those three and four nighters out of Miami and Port Canaveral to like the older, smaller ships in the fleet. It was almost an afterthought. And that's all changed now. And you've got Liberty of the Seas, a Freedom Clash ship. There's plenty to do on there. And of course, you get to spend the day in Coco Key. It's a great choice. And I would say that's probably not a terrible idea. Again, when it comes to weather, how, you know, I'll expand this question. You know, will I get seasick on my cruise? 
there's no telling. There is no time of year. There's no date. There's nothing that is like definitive 100%. Yes, you will. Yes, you won't. So it's really up to the weather and what fronts go through. But the nice thing about those shorter sailings is because of those shallower waters, it seems like they're less susceptible to the motion of the ocean. But being, you know, being prepared and having the seasickness patch is probably not a terrible idea. And our last email today is coming to us from, who was our last email from? I'm looking for the uh, name here. Ah, here it is. Uh, it's from Tom J. Good day to you, Matt. My son, Logan, and I have been cruising for a few years and are about to try Royal Caribbean for the first time in 2023 to celebrate his eighth grade uh, graduation after listening to your podcast for two years. We have two questions for you since my internet research did not find these answers. Number one, what are the age limits in the pool areas? My son is 13 and would like to go in the ship water park area, but is worried that he's too old. Um, the, so he's talking about, of course, Splashaway Bay. Splashaway Bay does have a maximum height and weight. I don't know off the top of my head. The issue is not his age. The, the issue would be his height. And thanks to the magic of the internet, I did a quick search on Google and it appears that to enter a slide in Splashaway Bay, so you can walk around like there's like drench buckets, things like that. No problem there. But for the slides, maximum weight is 300 pounds and minimum height is 42 inches. So as long as he's between those two factors, you are good to go there. And Tom's other question, oh, by the way, one more thing, um, going back to the uh, pool areas, the only other pool that has a limit would be, of course, the Solarium. He'd have to be 16 to go in there. All right, the other question is about the, uh, Tom says, in the casino, is the casino on board smoking or non-smoking? While I do plan, do not plan to gamble, cigarette, cigar smoke does tend to bother us, and we want to know if we want to walk by what to expect. Thanks for all you do and all you provide. Uh, yes, it is uh, smoking. So there's a smoking side and a non-smoking side, but it's a lot like airplanes when they used to do that. Um, there's no divider or anything like that, but there is technically a smoking side and not smoking side. But the bottom line is, let's make this really easy for you. Yes, uh, there is smoking allowed in the casino on board the ship. So, Tom, thanks for the email. Thank you for everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Green Blog Podcast. If you'd like to send me your emails, you can always do so by sending them to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Until next week, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.